if someone committed a horrible sin, but was sorry for his sin, tried to undo his sin, took responsibility for his sin, and paid for his sin, you'd probably think he handled it pretty well. But guess what? That's the way Judas handled sin. And if you know the story, I'm sure you'll agree he did not handle it very well. So let's look again at the account in Matthew 27, verses 1 through 10, to see if we can figure out where he went wrong. Now, when morning had come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him up to Pilate, the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed. And he went away and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it is the price of blood. And they counseled together and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now we all know that Judas betrayed the Lord. He was one of the twelve disciples, one of Jesus' closest friends. He lived with Jesus for three years. He witnessed firsthand what Jesus did, how he taught the multitudes, healed the sick, and raised the dead. He knew of Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, the Messiah, who would save the people from their sin. But yet, he betrayed him. Why? We can only guess. Scripture gives us no clear indication why Judas did what he did. It only says what he did. He betrayed the Lord with a kiss. With 30 pieces of silver. Now, what he thought would happen to Jesus after his betrayal, we don't know. But when he saw that Jesus had been condemned to death, he felt remorse. We're all aware that Peter was at least nearby during the trial of Jesus. For it was there that he denied him three times. And in our last study... 
we were reminded that John was also there, that he actually entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. And now we learn that Judas may have been there as well. Matthew says he felt remorse when he saw that Jesus had been condemned. Now, if he actually saw Jesus being condemned, saw him bound and led away and delivered up to Pilate, he no doubt also saw Jesus standing silently before his accusers. And he heard him answer the high priest's question, telling him that, yes, he was the Son of God. And that the high priest would one day see him sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He may have very well seen them spit on Jesus and beat him and mock him. And then as he witnessed Jesus being taken to Pilate, he felt remorse for what he had done. Now, some commentaries make a big deal out of the fact that Matthew does not say he repented, only that he felt remorse. And it's true that the word used here is not the common word for repent, which primarily means to change one's mind. The word Matthew used, however, is in some respects a stronger word. It focuses on the powerful emotion behind repentance, the feeling that causes someone to repent. Jesus used it in the parable of the two sons to describe what, what led the second son to repent, how he told his father he wouldn't work in the vineyard, but then regretted it and went. He also used it when applying that parable to the chief priests and elders, noting that even after they saw the tax gatherers and harlots responding to the message of John the Baptist, they did not feel remorse and believe him. But Judas felt remorse for what he had done. He regretted it. He was sorry for what he had done. And there's no doubt that he repented. In fact, he tried to undo his sin. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. With the givens of the situation, what else should he have done? That was no doubt the place to begin. He had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and had been paid for his treachery. The place to start undoing what he had done would have been to return the money that he had been given. And it was a substantial amount of money, equal to four months' pay, ten to $15,000 in today's money. It wasn't a bag of 30 dimes like we sometimes used to collect in Sunday school. It was a lot of money. And if the money had been a motive for his betrayal, and we know he was a thief, if that had been his motive, he was honestly repenting of what he had done. He was trying to undo his sin. 
But it was too late. It was too late. It was a done deal. The betrayal had taken place. And the priests wanted nothing to do with what even they saw as blood money. And they refused to take it back. He threw it into the sanctuary, following them through the outer courts of the temple, going as far as he could, for only the priests could enter the inner court or sanctuary. But when he had gone as far as he could go, and they still wouldn't take it, he didn't say, well, I tried, and pocket the money. He threw it into the sanctuary and left. Again, they didn't want it. Even though it had come out of their treasury to buy the betrayal, they didn't think it was appropriate that it would go back in. So they tried to soothe their conscience by using their tainted money in a charitable gesture. They bought a potter's field, a worthless clay pit, a pit that, that potters would go to. And find clay to make their pots. Apparently it had been dug out and was worthless. So they bought it as a burial place for vagrants. And in doing so, they inadvertently fulfilled a prophecy that Matthew says was spoken by Jeremiah. Now there's a bit of a problem here. The closest thing we have to the prophecy as quoted by Matthew is found in Zechariah not Jeremiah. Now, rest assured that scholars have all kinds of theories to account for this apparent discrepancy, and some of them make a lot of sense, but we're not going to deal with all that this morning. Suffice it to say that Matthew found a fulfillment of prophecy in the priest's action, and their action was in response to Judas trying to undo his sin. And he did acknowledge his sin. When he tried to give back the money, he said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. He didn't say, mm, I think I made a mistake. Or, well, things didn't just work out the way I thought they would. He said, I have sinned. He took full responsibility for his actions and acknowledged that they were sinful. I really like that, and that's so important. You know, all too often we excuse our behavior and relabel our sin. Judas didn't do that. He said, I have sinned, and he confessed it openly to the priests. So far, so good. He's handling his sin pretty well. He's sorry for what he's done. He's taken action to make amends for what he's done. He recognizes that what he has done is sinful and takes full responsibility for it. Now, even his confessing it to the priests was appropriate for a Jew. They were the channels through whom sinners were to find forgiveness. It was their job to offer sacrifices 
on behalf of repentant sinners. But they wanted nothing to do with Judas or his sin. Of course, they were involved in his sin. That's why they brushed him off. He was taking responsibility for his sin, but they didn't want to take responsibility for their role in the sin. So they said, what's that to us? See to it yourself. In other words, your sin is not our problem. You deal with it. So he did. He went away and hanged himself. Now, that might seem like a totally inappropriate response. And suicide is never justifiable. Make sure you hear that. Suicide is never justifiable. But if he had to pay for his own sin, what else was he to do? The penalty for sin is death. We learned that in the Garden of Eden. And if the priests wouldn't allow him to bring a sacrifice to atone for his sin, what was he to do? He was filled with remorse. He knew he had sinned. There was no way he could undo what he had done. And the religious leaders offered him no hope of forgiveness. So he paid for his sin the only way he could think of by taking his own life. How sad that he didn't look to the one he had betrayed. And that was the fatal flaw in the way Judas handled sin. Jesus had come to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to give his life a ransom for many. And in just a matter of hours, that would be done. If only Judas had waited and looked to Jesus for forgiveness. If he had, he would have found it. What Judas did was not unforgivable. Peter denied Christ three times and found forgiveness. Judas could have been forgiven too. Now, it's true that his sin was more deliberate than Peter's. But even as he was being crucified, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. If Judas had allowed Jesus to pay for his sin, he could have been saved. In fact, that's the only way anyone can be saved. When we sin, we, like Judas, should be sorry for our sin. We should feel remorse when we realize what we've done. And then we, too, should try to undo what we've done. If we can make amends, we must. If we can't, we've got to accept the fact that we 
and those we've sinned against may have to live with the temporal consequences of our sin. And we do recognize that what we've done is sin. We don't try to soften it by renaming it. And we take responsibility for it. We don't excuse it or blame someone else for it. But then, rather than trying to pay for our sin ourselves, we acknowledge that we cannot pay for it. Even suicide can't pay for our sin. It would only add to it. So we throw ourselves on the mercy of God and ask him to apply what Jesus did on the cross to us. If you have remorse for something you've done in your past, something you've not been able to resolve, acknowledge the fact that your behavior was sinful. That you sinned against the standard God set for those who would have a relationship with him. And then acknowledge the fact that Jesus went to the cross to pay for that sin. And what he wants in return is gratitude. Gratitude which leads to a changed life. A life that he makes possible. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. If you believe that, but have never asked him to apply what he did on the cross to your sin, nor have you allowed him to wash you whiter than snow in the waters of Christian baptism, now is the time to do it.